Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everything in between, welcome to the Kevin Clifton Show. Now, this is the episode that I've been promising. Um, we've got a huge guest on the show this week. Um, and actually, it's someone that um, has been a big part of my life. I know these podcasts always work better when, when I feel like uh, I know the person and we can have a good sort of in-depth chat rather than someone that I've sort of never met before. Um, and this person has, has been a massive influence on my life and now is a massive part of all your lives if you're a fan of Strictly because it's none other than head judge of Strictly Come Dancing, the queen of Latin herself, Shirley Ballas. Hello, Kevin. Hello, listeners. Hiya. Hiya. <laughs> now, so Shirley, you've just put out um, your biography, your book, Behind the Sequence, which I finished reading last night. And um, I, was, I was texting Stace because she was going, oh, how is it? How, you know, how's the book? And I don't know, it had a massive effect on me. because One, I'll tell you what, it was, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was way better than I expected it to be. And I don't mean that as a judgment on you. I just meant like, say with the ballroom world and everything that we've been involved with, I guess there's part of me that probably without thinking expected it was just going to be a bit of a, a cuddly sort of, look how well I did story. You know, I won these competitions and it was a dream to win them. And then I ended up in the magical world of Strictly and it was, it was going to be a nice sort of fluffy, um, a nice story. Um, but actually, you've been very sort of brave and vulnerable with a lot of the stuff in the book. And I think, you know, obviously for me, I'm very close to it because it's the world that I grew up in and I'm very close to you. So it's like, I know all the people that you're talking about in the book. So it had a massive effect on me. And, and I guess I started going, you know, I, I, I was sort of around you for some of the things that happened in, in the book, some of the events. Now, I don't want to sort of spoil things too much, um, but some of the big things that happened in your life, I was like around you at the time. Yeah. And I had no idea of, of what was happening in, in the background. You know, I was just turning up for my lessons with you. So um, you must have been pretty good at sort of hiding all of this and putting on a brave face. I don't know, maybe is that to do with being a performer? Or <laughs> well, do you think that most people put on a brave face, don't they? Most people have got many hats that they wear. So the mummy hat, the daddy hat, they have to go to work and they have to be perceived a certain way. Or, you know, I'm good at having an on button. What I'm learning about myself is I can switch on at any moment. And, and I remember when, when my brother passed away and my mother says, hang your emotions at the door and pick them up on the way out when you go to work because nobody, nobody really cares. Mm -hmm. It's your emotion. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you do learn yourself included that we can have the worst things going on in our life. But when we have to go on stage or we have to go to perform, it's the on button goes on. Mm. It's just, do we know when to switch the button off? Mm. That's the thing. Yeah. So it was um, a very, very difficult write for me. I was asked three times to write that book. And I knew in my heart, if I didn't write it, and trust me, there's a lot left out. You know, I had to really weigh up. I've got a son, a family and everything else. But what did I want to write about? And I wanted to shed light on a, on a difficult journey. Although people look at me and say, oh, she won here with Sammy. Oh, look, she won with Corky. Oh, look, she got the job on Strictly. Everything came at price, even that job on Strictly. You know, I went for that because of bullying, but we'll get into that. But it was, um, it was a difficult write and an even more difficult read for me. Mm. What was the, the main sort of driving factor behind you wanting to write it? Just wanting to get things 
out there or was it like no sort of a, no not at all because i have everything stored in what i call pandora's box and it's chained to my leg and i chain it round with myself when i thought about it deeply i thought it would be quite inspirational for young people that are told you can never do this you'll never get off this house in a state you'll never amount to anything i thought it could be inspiring for people like that that mm. you know have dreams that, that want to be something, that want to go somewhere, whatever it is that they want to do in their life. So I thought it could be inspiring mm -hmm. and inspiring from the point of view of, um, I don't want to, from rags to riches a little bit. So that's kind of what happened. I got with Sammy and that this meteoric rise. And then of course I left and had to start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So even though Corky's family had money, my second husband, the journey of the dance was 10 times harder. It was very, very difficult. So I just wanted it to be an inspiring journey. I also wanted my son to know a little bit more about his mother because mm. you've been around me all your life, your mum and yeah. dad, your sister, and you had no idea. You had an inkling, but not really an idea of what was going on in the life yeah. and how difficult it was. Mm. It's, it's funny because uh, I was like, my mum and dad get a mention in the book and me and Joe got uh, a mention in the book. Um, I mean, a big part of my life, wasn't it? Was <laughs> it? It was part of the journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I remember, I remember you know, me and Joe and, and, and other partners that I had used to, used to come for lessons with, with you and Corky all the time um, in Starlight in Streatham. Um, and because, you know, we, we were young and we'd spend a lot of time as well, like um, weekends or school holidays and stuff like that. We'd come down to your house. So I, I feel like I kind of um, grew up with you almost being like a second mum when I was at, at yours and, and you know, hanging out with... Uh, Mark and Derek and Julianne and you know and sort of um, hanging out with everyone and I remember when when mum and dad sort of sat us down and and, and said oh you just um, need to know that um, Corky and Shirley aren't together anymore I remember sort of feeling it, it was such a weird feeling for me and, and and I was sort of devastated but I had absolutely no idea of any of the story <laughs> like so it was, it was really revealing like for me reading about this now because I remember at the time just feeling like Oh my God, how, how did this happen? <laughs> well, with my second husband, I was 22 years married to Corky, but I knew mm. after six months that I wasn't sure whether this relationship was going to work or not. And mm. I desperately wanted to come back to Great Britain. And, you know, it, it wasn't possible. And it was a difficult relationship. I found both my first marriage, what you know at 17 when you get married or 18, mm -hmm. you know, that was difficult. You knew Sammy very well, but it, for mm. me, it was a difficult journey. And if you take away the spotlight, so you have to separate the spotlight yeah. from what's going on in the immediate life. Of course, we have accolades and we have this and meteoric rise, of which I'm truly grateful. But on a personal side, it was difficult. Then I got with Corky and ran away in the big drama and realized after six months, I wanted to come home. Asked Sammy, can I come home? No, you can't. Mother said, you made your bed, lie in it. Off I went, got pregnant. You know, it was all so, such a difficult journey. I want you to just close your eyes, Kevin, and think about that. You know how difficult our industry oh, is. Yeah, you yeah. come back when everybody, you know, from Hazel Fletcher on down, said, you know, you go and you have your family and this is never going to happen. There was no encouragement anywhere from anybody. Mm. And when I mean anybody, I mean anybody. It was me, 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 and me thinking, because Corky didn't know the industry, how am I going to get back into this industry that I love so much? Mm. So that journey was where I learned the most about people, human ego, about how the politics are put together, what's necessary to, in order to move up. Because I won in 83 and came back the next year and made the second round. 
Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. To come back and win in 1995 and beat your first husband. It's like, it's like um, doing a series of Strictly over many years. It's like, it's like you're sort of this, this champion and then decided to dance with a complete beginner. And you went through the process of, of like us teaching a, a beginner celeb on Strictly. Absolutely. Over 12 years. Like yeah. We had a little bit of dance experience. His yeah. mother was a flamenco dancer. His dad had the biggest studio in the world. So mm. he'd done a little bit as a child. And, and he'd done a little bit of pro amateur dancing exactly like Strictly. So mm. it was like taking, as you said, that pro amateur dancer. And now how do you get him to be that world star? Mm. And it took many years and many years of bumps and swimming upstream. Difficult. Very difficult. So you're sort of in the perfect position to be um, head judge on Strictly then because you know exactly the process over a long period of time. Oh, I know the process over a long period of time. And I also know that on the show, you know, even at the launch show is watching those people come down and realizing that for, for the next 10 weeks, their journey is going to be all up in the air, emotions, tears, happy, sad. And, and I will understand them because I can fully relate because it's, it's, it's always running like it's my life. Yeah. I watch other people's life and it seems like it's my own. But even when I read the book, I look, I read the book and then I thought to myself, this sounds like I'm talking about somebody else's life. Right. It's so surreal. It's yeah. so surreal that one woman really could have had this kind of journey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. From a, from a, a like I said, I left a lot out. <laughs> right. I can imagine. <laughs> from a council estate to, uh, to winning all these championships and being on Strictly. Um, and there's some, there's, so there's some stuff around that that I want to get into and in, in sort of in the ballroom world and, and relationships with dance partners and things like that, that that we'll get into. But first, if, if we go like to the beginning, I just wanted to, like, like there's a little bit of, of the book that you've started off with. It's only a very short bit. If, is it all right if I just read out the little, the little prologue? Yes, go, so, please. It says on, on the prologue, what dance requires? Because um, I, I love this beginning to the book. It says, what makes a perfect ballroom dancer? As with everything else in life, there's no such thing as, as complete perfection in dance, only a series of hopefully perfect moments. I love that. You can study, train, practice, find great teachers and learn their lessons, but at some point you must prepare yourself, body and soul, surrender to the process and simply enjoy yourself. And I think in a lot of ways, that's sort of right of, of life as well as dance. In many ways, dance is like everything else in life, and it has a magic all of its own. It's demanding of you. It requires musicality, technique, synchronization, coordination, and the discipline of constantly practicing and perfecting. Technique is just the beginner's framework. To communicate through dance, you have to learn how your body works, then decide how best to tell your story. Some people are naturally born performers who can walk straight onto a dance floor and shine, while others have to learn and work hard at it. The work required to look effortless on the floor is immense. Underneath the beauty, the poetry, the strength, the glamour and romance are hours, months, years of training, preparation, blood, sweat, tears, thousands of hours of individual effort and extraordinary teamwork. And for what? Two minutes of intense beauty. It's very, very difficult. And if it looks like you're working hard, you're not working hard enough. Lots of students believe that dancing only requires a few key skills, that there are only a couple of boxes to tick, but it's a lot more complicated. It demands authenticity, reading, watching, understanding, study, and learning the lessons of others. Most importantly, it requires courage. There's no such thing as the perfect dancer, but any true dancer must have a huge heart and be prepared to reveal it. This gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I love that intro to the book because 
we've talked quite a lot on this podcast. I sort of interview, you know, different artists from all walks of, of creativity and, and art. And we talk a lot about this whole sort of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This whole fight between what's sort of the most important thing between the, the technical elements of something or just heart and performance and, and belief in, in what you're doing as a performer. And it's funny, me and, me and I was talking to Motsi a couple of weeks ago on the podcast and I, I made a point that I wonder if on Strictly sometimes, since you've come on the show, because you, you, you're such a name in the ballroom dance world and everyone knows that you know your stuff, I wonder if sometimes some of the pros, just from my opinion, what I've seen a couple of times, have started playing their routines slightly more safe to make it look a bit more technical because they don't want you to pull them up on technique. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, we were both, me and Motsi were both saying at the same time, like no one could ever have described you as just someone that goes out and ticks boxes as a dancer and, and does technique. And actually, I, I think you're looking for a lot more than just technique, right? Like course, your whole thing is passion. And I mean, I agree with Baryshnikov. If you read some of his work or study some of his, it, the, techni the technical ability, what is technique? Technique for me is the complete dancer. Mm. People think technique, oh, she's talking about footwork. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Technique to me is when all parts of the body come together, from the footwork to the leg action, to the rhythm in the body, to the coordination of the arms, to the flexibility of the body, to the directional focus, to the awareness of space. So it's so many things that come together. That is a technical dancer who wonders, you can have a technical, you can have technical arms, you can have technical feet, you can have a technical body. But when you pull it all together, then you've got the perfect and ideal technical dancer. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely, absolutely 100% right. The general people, general public think I'm only about feet. But mm. on Strictly, when I start the framework, the first few weeks for me, it's important that they can walk you know, this is a heel, this is a toe. So I start with that because once they get a little bit in their feet and they can stand on their feet, now they can go and they can develop all of the parts of their body. So you've mm. got to be able to walk on your feet. You look at a little baby, for example, which hopefully you'll have one day. It'll be bouncing <laughs> around, it tries to stand up on its feet, it falls on its bottom. It'll try again, it falls on its bottom. Once it can stand on its feet, then it can run. Once it can run, it can jump, it can hug, it can do this, it can do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's so yeah. many other elements to it. Mm. So it's got to start somewhere. So the first few weeks of Strictly, yes, I, I do like to give a little bit of footwork out. But if I'm looking at a dancer like yourself, for example, when you walked in as a little boy, how old were you when you took your first lesson with me? Oh, I don't know. I, I was, I was young, like juniors. Like, Just coming out of juvenile, I believe, and going yeah, into so junior. Maybe you were what we call a natural-born performer. You weren't that person. <laughs> so when you have a natural born performer, the technical qualities of feet, leg actions, body, you can teach that. Hmm. When you've got it the other way around of a the great technician that's hmm. as dead as a fish that's got no expression whatsoever, that's difficult to get a result with. Hmm. So it's a balance. You've yeah. got a decent quality of movement, but hmm. you definitely, without doubt, have got to be able to come from a soul somewhere. And yeah, yeah. so that, that's how I feel. But I am an all rounder. Anybody who knows me, when they come for lessons, I'm the one who takes everybody else's work, puts it together, and presents it on the floor. 
that's my job. That's what I've done for years. Yeah. I'm not that person who's only working on the spine or mm. the other teacher who's only working on the choreography or the only one who's working on the footwork. I work on the whole thing and put the presentation out to be judged. Because mm. don't you think like sometimes there can be someone that is almost sort of faultless in terms of ticking boxes technically, but they can be quite boring, but also, also vice versa. There can be people who are actually not necessarily great technical, like they make lots of technical faults, but you just get so much pleasure out of, out of watching them at the same time. And, it, and, and that's where balance comes in. And mm. that's why we have a panel of 11 or 13 or however yeah. many judges we have, because it's a balance of what you like and you need six out of you know, 11 judges to like what you do. Mm. Everybody likes something different. It's yeah. all about balance. It's not about the, having the perfect rumba walk. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you we're so obsessed with the rumba walk, aren't we? 100 hours up and down the room, people, you know, up and down, not and down, like, oh my gosh, practice it 15 minutes every day for the next five years, you'll be fine. But 20 hours up and down, they still go out in the second round. Is it important? Absolutely. I'm not decrying. As I said, you've got to be able to stand on your feet. But do understand there are a lot more elements to it. Mm, for sure, for sure. Now, at the beginning, when, when you first started dancing, because you, you were saying in the book that you were very, you were very competitive as a, as a kid, and you've always been very competitive. You always want to, like, um, you know, you want, you want to do your absolute best at whatever it is that you're doing. Um, I'm sure with this book, it, even, it's like you want it to be a great book. You don't want it just to be a book. Um, but, and you were trying your hands at all these different things, and you were very competitive with everything, but you describe it, dance as, as something you just felt like you had to do. What, what is it about, like, to tell on how you started and what is it about ballroom and Latin dancing that, I don't know, got you? What is it about it that you love or what, what made you? I, I can only tell you from the perspective of a seven-year-old that was going to the Brownies Girl Guides at the church hall. I was doing my um, CPR, learning how to do CPR <laughs> on a dummy at that age. No um, doubt, best one in the class. <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> and then I could hear this music from the room next door and it was Wheels, the cha-cha. Do you remember Wheels, the cha-cha? How did that go? <laughs> um, <laughs> you got me off guard now. Wheels. Anyway, look it up. <laughs> so Wheels, the cha-cha-cha was playing next door and I went and there was this like little porthole and I pulled myself up and I saw these older people all dancing in the studio. Mm. And from that moment, I can't tell you what happened. It was like, oh my God, I've got to do this. Knox on, walks in, Vic Knox comes over, can I help you? Do you do children's classes in this? He says, yes, we're starting on Saturday. And that was it. I was hooked. I never missed. The only time I ever took time off was when Mark was born, a little bit of time, you know, and then I was back competing. So when I was, that last little six weeks when I was pregnant, it was just the music. I stood and I looked at these people moving and I listened to the music. And, that, and a moon river for the waltz. I remember hearing that and learning to waltz to it. And I was hooked. I don't know why. I can't say why, whether it was my destiny, whether it was just something I love to do. Come rain or shine, I walk from my house on the house in estate every week to that uh, church hall and I never missed. And that was why my mother said, while ever she does that, I will take all the jobs in the world to support her because she is showing me that she's dedicated to something. Mm, mm, mm. Well, what's interesting is that it was genuinely the um like the the love of the dance like even now it's like i can't even describe it it was just I, I saw this going on and i started it and i just loved it and it's like you just 
you just wanted to dance. Because I ask a few people on this podcast, you know, what is it? Why did they start? And, and so I, I was talking to Neil Jones the other week and, and he was saying he just, he saw this thing where people were winning trophies and he wanted to win trophies. And like, that's why he started doing it. And like, I think for me, like my, obviously my mum and dad were dancers. So I sort of ended up doing it anyway, sort of as a result, I sort of fell into it. And, and I sort of, I loved it, but I was also very much into the, the competitive thing. Oh, you were very competitive. I was, I was really competitive. And your sister was a little bit more laid back, but you yeah. were very competitive. Yeah, it's funny now because it's sort of changed the other way now. Like Joe, my sister is now fiercely competitive. And I sort of, I don't know, I suppose there's a part of me that still is, but I, I sort of, I try and do, I try and shy away from anything feeling too competitive because I felt, I feel like I've been competing my whole life. And so I, I don't, don't you think it's naturally born in you. Like I can go into the studio and all the girls are in Karen Hilton. We've known 50 years, Bob McCall, mm -hmm. this one, that one. Everybody's looking at everyone's makeup. Everyone's looking that they give a trophy out every year for the girl with the biggest bum. You know, you're trying to keep the smallest bum and you're trying to, you, you look at the evening dress when you go out, even at 60 and you, or your hair and your makeup, you can't help it. You're either a natural born competitor or you're not. I'm very competitive with myself. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can, I shy away from it, Kevin, but when push comes to shove, that competitive yeah. spirit will, will always shine. It will yeah. always shine. If there's three of you going for the West End show, you will not be shying away from being competitive. You're going in all balls blazing. That's what you'll be yeah. doing. Yeah. It's yeah. in you. It's just, it's just, it's your character. Mm. And I would suggest you embrace it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> embrace it. It's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's competitive with yourself. You're not harming anyone. You're not hurting anyone. It's about who you are. Oh, feel like a counselor. Marjorie Proops. <laughs> anyway, I think I've remembered the wheels. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yes, embrace your um, you know competitive spirit with yourself. Yeah, I suppose you you forward, and the minute you take that back seat, you might as well semi-retire, darling. Mm. Sit there and do some knitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right, but I we we can get into this actually because I I guess for me I I feel slightly like. Let's talk about the ballroom competition world, if we were talking about being competitive. And like, like a therapy session. Yeah, for both of us. This <laughs> um, I get, you're right. There's, there's, being competitive can really drive you forward and, and obviously has, has driven you to the, the very top level. Um, and, and it sort of serves you. But there's also, I don't know, there's also an ugly side of it, isn't there? Like the, about sort of, just how competitive our our industry can be, and go on. Are you going to say something? Well, there's competitiveness that you've got, that I've got, that we're competitive with each other, and mm. then you've got competitors in the business who are at the top, and I refer to them as men at the top that mm. take it one stage further, and then the bullying comes in. If they if they don't feel their kingpin, 
mm. you know, and their unit is kingpin, then they start to pick on the people that are underneath them. And I was a victim of that bullying within the industry. Mm. So, and now so much so that the industry is now split. We used to just have the World Dance Council. Now we've got another council, the WDO. Everything's splitting again purely because of bullying. Because we're in a changing world, see? So what people have done for years and years and years and years with this bullying in the industry, it's now not working quite so much. So I think that there's competitive, like you, like me, like Mark, uh, Derek, whatever. And then there's people that go out of their way to try to destroy other people's careers. And that's what happened to me. Mm. And that's why eventually my son pushed me towards going for Strictly for the job. Because mm. I was going through um, a time of pure bullying from men at the top. I won't mention their names. <laughs> I had a job um, to judge somewhere far away in Europe, not so far. And I got the job. It was, uh, I'm trying not to mention any names here. So I, I got the job. I was all ready to go. And then the man called me, goes, I've been told that you're unfit material to judge. The World Dance Council says you're unfit material to judge. I'm awfully sorry if I have you, then I'll lose my license. That's what I was told. So I didn't get the job. And I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back is the expression. So even though it was a small thing, I think with everything else that had gone on in the bullying of this industry, that was the one that, made me realize and my son realized you need to take a different avenue because if men at the top and some women are hell bent on you losing your work, pushing you down, stopping you moving forward, don't invite you to any of the major events. He said, you need to again, change a little course and redirect and mm -hmm. swim upstream again. Although I thought my son was bonkers because I had no TV experience. He said, you may not have TV experience, but you definitely have the knowledge for the show. You should try. And that's what I did. Mm. I went and I tried, never told a soul. I was at the United Kingdom Championships in the January listening to everybody who tried out. And this one thought they had the job and that. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to say anything because then if I don't get it, you don't get those people. You know how they are in the industry. Oh, she didn't get that job yeah, type. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then that's when it came out from nowhere because I chose to only share it with my son. Mm. I think your son's uh, in quite a few points in the book. He's very wise, actually. Like he's like sort of wise beyond his years and, and, and at different points would have a lot of things to say to you. I thought, yeah, do you know what? Oh my God, he's the Instagram police because I was never used to Instagram or Twitter or this and right. that. So he's, he's, a, he's a part of my account checking, making sure, you know, you don't post anything that's the wrong thing. And he's such a guide. He's such an amazing spirit. He's like you. He's just such a beautiful boy. You've been raised together, you know, yeah, and yeah. never change. It doesn't matter whether you're successful winning a trophy on Strictly or winning your world championships or doing, you never, your human spirit never changes. And I just wish that was so of the men in our industry. Mm -hmm. And do, do you think there's also an element of, um, I don't know, like right from the beginning, you came from a, a council estate, um, you know, just from the beginning didn't have any money really even to, to, to support what was going on and you were thrust into um, a top level. And do you think there's, there's also this nature of like, you talked about it in the book and I really recognized it. Like you go for the, the tryouts and it's often sort of um, a, a man or, you know, a boy even um, that's like making the decisions. Like the, the men seem to be in this position of power that, you know, the girls will come for the, for the tryout with this guy and then it's sort of up to him what's going to happen next. And you, and you even described, you know, when you started dancing with one of them, that it was like in, instantly there were decisions being made. It was like, right, you're going to come up and live here now 
and you're going to live with us and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And, and, and I recognize that with, you know, what my sister's competition career. And I don't know when, when you started doing so well, and especially when you then came back and then won Blackpool again in 95, was it? 95. Yeah. Um, do you think there was a bit of an attitude of just who, who does she think she is? <laughs> do you know what I mean? That you were sort of bucking the trend a bit. I think when, um, with the, the partner we're talking about is Sammy Stopford. So he's my neighbor. I can throw a pebble at his front door. Mm. Uh, when I got with him and I got this great opportunity to dance with this amazing man. And that's exactly how it was when I went for the tryout. One back basic. He touched me, goes, I'll take her. Okay. Don't really know who you are. Packy things you're coming with me. Uh, it, 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 and you don't know anything because you're so overwhelmed. Mm. You don't want to say anything. You've got this amazing mega opportunity and, and off I went to live with him and left my first fiance Nigel who was outside in his car it was just such a yeah. mess that was heartbreaking that bit of the book heartbreaking <laughs> like and he's still, my, he's still my financial advisor today by the way right he's right right a very 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 good friend and uh, and off I went and then you know work work Sammy was work 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 with no break and I think you could identify with this you go like the hamster on the wheel like most of us in life, round and round and round, and we're working hard, but we're not going anywhere. Sometimes you need to take a step off, have a little holiday. I know people, when I went on Graham Norton, you know, he was kind of having a little bit of joke about that, but it is true that you have to balance your work between your leisure time. Everybody needs that switch off button. I yeah. never had that with Sammy. So of course, when Corky came along from a very wealthy family, good looking man, seemed like a lot relaxing. I thought, oh my God, I'm, I've fallen in love with this man because it's actually showing the side of me that, you know, is, I missed out in the teenage years, the mm. dispos, the going out, the this, that, and the other, even though I don't want to make it decry from my career because I'm grateful for that. Mm. And of course, when I got with Corky after about six weeks, the holiday was over, I wanted to come home, but that was no chance. So, you know, it was, it was a mess. I wanted to come home. I did enough. I realized that this wasn't for me. And, and my mum said, you made your bed, you lined it. And that's what I did for 22 mm. years. But do, do you think, again, going back to like the, the competition element of it, like, is that what, is that what drives it? Because you do talk about it a lot in the book about how this sort of, um, ambition and competitive spirit and it's like you always wanted to to do better and keep keep working but then you know you talk about things in in the book that you you regret and and looking back you wish you'd have done x y and z and you wish you'd have taken more time um you know sort of with relationships with with family and and you talk about some of the relationships you had um saying it was just all work and and you forgot to do the nice things and, ha you know, life. You forgot to, to do life a little bit. Do I'm you think working on doing the life bit, to be honest. <laughs> right. I really am. But, but do, as you a, do you think that's something about ballroom dancers, though? Do you think, or, or was it more to do with... No, I think it's just you? about to do with the person because right. I think I've got friends in the banking industry and they're exactly the same. Right. So me, a small child and you were the same. You were the same, mm. more so a little bit than Joe. Although, mm. like now, you say the roles have reversed. She was yeah. a little bit more quiet, but mm. you were that go-get. It's something in you, I feel. Yeah. Like you have this competitive spirit. I remember when Mark was at school, two four-year-olds, one little girl was getting all the crayoning in the lines to perfection, and Mark's lines were all over the place. And when you saw this child's work, I mean, she was already competitive at four years old. I'll never forget that. Mm. I think it's something innate for most people. Right. You know, some people can come to it maybe a little bit later in the life. I was, I was born with being competitive with myself. 
Mm-hmm. And then, of course, going with Sammy, I didn't really have to worry about politics because Sammy ran the whole ship. He mm-hmm. ran the ship. He was the captain. And But, but I might have been the passenger, but I was learning. Yeah. So I was grabbing all the tools that I was learning from him as he was running the ship. And then, of course, when I left and got with Corky, she'll never amount to anything. She'll be a wallflower. She's crap. She'll never do it on her own. Then I used those tools I'd learned with him. So that's smart maneuvering. Mm-hmm. And then I got to know more about our industry, which has a beautiful side, but let's not lie here. It definitely has an ugly side as well in mm-hmm. every shape or form. Yeah. So and I know people will be a little upset when I say that, but, but it's true. As mm-hmm. with anything in any arena, there's always mm-hmm. another side. Mm-hmm. And we definitely have an ugly side in our world for sure. Too many egos, too many people thinking they're just so great and everybody else is poop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. quite sad actually. Yeah, well, well we, I mean, we were talking briefly before this podcast started. Um, and, you know, I, I was having lessons with you until, I don't know, uh, something like 20, early 20s, something like that. And um, it only took for, you know, we, we all... One always, remark for somebody to make a remark yeah, in your ear. Yeah, and it changed the course of my life. Like, um, you know, there's me and, and Derek Hoff and your son, Mark, we, we were sort of, you know, we'd hang out and we were like a little gang and we're, we'd all come and have lessons with you. And, and we had, we actually, I, I found, had a really lovely sort of banter about everything. I remember going into like um, one, of, one of the youth competitions and, you know, sort of at the time it was me and Derek were sort of head to head, you know, get, get going into it and... Um, and, and we, we, we'd have a lesson with you, like one after the other, and then we'd go and practice at Semley or, or whatever. And we were bantering the whole time, like, oh, I'm going to kill you in this competition. But, it, but really sort of in a friendly way. And then there, there was one competition in particular at the International Championships when Derek won. I think I came third. And it took one person to get in my ear afterwards and say, oh, Shirley made sure that that happened. And, and blah, you know, she's betrayed you. And, and I sort of started talking about that and then me and you had a, you know a little bit of a fallout over that and then and then all because of one person's right. comments mm. and because then even though you had your friendly banter with mark and Derek, all three of you were ext- i mean all three of you have gone on to do amazingly well but mm. but there was definitely that competitive spirit as yeah, an adult sure. you could see that but you you had this camaraderie which was amazing but the point being that one person said and i've had that a lot throughout my career mm. oh you know she's got three couples in the final she's not going to give you her attention and then somebody leaves and then their career falls apart I'm not just saying it because they came to me but they've been with me for years and it that's how evil people are yeah and they're then, always grabbing somebody else's business yeah and then and then the politics sort of showed its head a little bit in terms of i, I said right um, someone, another coach got in my ear and said, right, you can't go to Shirley anymore. You've got to go to this person and you've, and you've got to absolutely have no contact with Shirley anymore. And da, da, da. And, and like, I, f- I feel like me and you sort of didn't see each other for quite a few years. Yeah. Um, it was only when, uh, only when uh, I, I was in Burn the Floor and Mark came and joined Burn the Floor for a run. And that I saw you again and we all started hanging out again and sort of went, that was silly, wasn't it, back then? <laughs> but... But, but, but it's what it is because world. people listen to other people, you know. People can mm. be mean in our industry. And yeah. like I said, if you imagine our industry like a pond, everybody's fishing in the same pond. Yeah. 
They're yeah. all in the same pond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody's after the couple. So if you do all the work and you have a high-class couple like you, somebody else wants to take over now. They didn't care about when you were a beginner in the first round. They want you when you're at the top of the tree. Mm. So it, it, it's remarkable. Yours isn't the only case where that's happened. Mm. It's happened many times. You know, there's all sorts of stories that uh, have been similar to yours. Mm. But one of the and things that's that, why you got out, Mark got out, and Derek got out. <laughs> yeah, got out yeah. because of politics. I'm going to stick my neck out and say that my son was damned yeah. if he won because it, they'd say he'd won because of his mother, and then if he lost, they'd make a bow. You know, we're so glad he lost. Derek was the same. You were the same. You know, and in the end, you all got out. Went on Broadway and West End, and Derek, you know, Radio City, wherever and whatever you've done. Yeah. So you, you change courses because this industry you knew this industry wasn't going to serve you well. Mm. No, in in, in I, I, mental health, I'm not talking about dance. Mm, you no. probably don't want to be the world champion. It's about your mental health at the end of the sure. day. It takes sure. a toll. It takes an effect. That's why yeah. I've been wrestling for so many years. I think that whole event, like, yeah, you're right. That whole event, like, for me, sort of started that little spiral of, like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like, I want to enjoy dancing. I don't want to have to put up with this or you know these kind of politics and games and 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 I remember like sort of it was a little bit later I think um when I was having these sorts of I don't know do I want to do this or not or you know blah 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 whatever there was a competition I think we were in America it might have been Miami or something like that and um and Mark did really well I think he made like the semi-final or, or something and I'd only made the 24 and it was the first time that like Mark had beaten me um and, and and you know like you say people were kicking off because he was damned if he did and damned if he didn't like it was oh he's only in the semi-final because of you know shirley blah 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 and and i remember mark's face bless him like we, he sort of we, there was this moment we we're walking down the corridor in uh, in the in the hotel in miami and he saw me come in and his face almost dropped like as if there was going to be a a situation and he and he and he just said to me and we sort of went, oh, all right, mate, you know, all right. And, and, and I went, oh, well done, you know, you know semi-final, you know, well, do, well done. And, and he went, can we still be mates, though? <laughs> I just went, mate, come here, and just, just gave him a big hug. Because I was what, so tired of the nonsense. But sometimes, you know, your career, and I just got through explaining, it's an apprenticeship. Mm. You're all apprentices, all the way through semi-finals, all the way through your amateur career, till you turn professional, until you start getting into the top 12 and the top six, and then you've sealed it. You're where you need to be. But as a junior, as a juvenile, all working amateurs, this it's an apprenticeship for where you really want to go. And this is what makes you tough. You win, you lose. Mm. You learn the most when you lose. Not yeah. In my experience, mm. not when you win. You mm. learn about life, you learn about the career, you learn about everything. That's what happened to me the second time round when I went with Corky. Mm. But with all you young people, you know, if you didn't get a result, oh, Lord, it was the end of the world. But I tried to explain, it's just an apprenticeship. One week mm -hmm. you'll win, they might win, they might win. So it's just the way it is. It's life, young people who are listening to this. It's okay to lose. It's okay. Next week you'll come back and you'll win. Yeah. If you have the right attitude or people behind you saying, like you said, oh, his mum's in the industry or, you know, this because of this, because they're all lying because they want the business. Mm. Well, I got it too because my mum and dad are in the industry. So, like, if, if I had a good result, it'd be like, oh, well, that's because, you know, that, that's because his mum and dad used to dance, you know, and people, they all know each other and da da da. So, I, I know it must have been for, for Mark as well. Um, but just, 
<laughs> going back to that that story of you know you you I sort of don't want to spoil the book too, uh, too much. We'll just like allude to certain things, but like yeah. So you were the young, probably the youngest ever to win. Um, I mean, the main championship for people that don't know in our industry, the main championship was the British Open to the World Championships in Blackpool. There's there's World Championships as well, but the Blackpool's like the Wimbledon of of, of our industry. That's that's the big one. That's the one that if you can only win one competition, that's the one that you want to win. Yeah. Um, and you won that, what, you're 18 or something? I won that in 1983, so I was 22 years old. 22. So I won that in 1983. And then I came back in 1995 and won it with my second husband and beat my first husband. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Read the book. The journey is intense. <laughs> it's an incredible story. And yeah, you should, you it's should. almost surreal, isn't it? Don't you think? It's almost surreal. It's like a I movie. Mean, how do you win that championship as a female guiding it? Because obviously we know it's guided by men normally. You know, at 35 years old with a beginner that you've dragged up from age 23 all the way to get there to stand in front of your ex-husband with your trophy and I have to say Sammy was extremely gallant mm. on the day I mean nobody wants to lose for whatever reasons but like he taught me if somebody enters and you win take your trophy and leave there's no excuses you choose to put yourself there somebody else can beat you that's how it was yeah so, and then win again in 96 and win it with two different men so the journey was and quite intense men not not easy men mm. yeah I mean I was there that night and in when you won for the, the second time in, in 95, um, you know, I, I was just like a kid in the audience watching, um, cheering you up. Well, it wasn't a dry eye in the house because oh, I think not realised the journey I'd done. Mm. So, and being on and the criticism and the nastiness and the, you know, name calling towards Corky as a beginner and just the sheer horridness. And I think there was just that sense of, okay, this is, this is quite a moment in time. Mm. But but that, that's the bit I'm interested in is like you, you say that, you know, you sort of you made this big decision and, and ran off from this setup that was, you know, you could have been Blackpool champion for years and years and years with, with Sammy. And you suddenly jumped and right, I'm off. I'm, I'm, I'm going over there and and started with Corky. And you even you, you've said to me just now, like you knew sort of within six months that it probably wasn't right. And you almost wanted to go back. But still. You, you carried on for another 20-something years and went on that journey to winning in 95. I'm interested in why. Like, why, what, dro what drove you to that? Or, or did you just not know what you were doing? Or was no, it I was driven. I was driven, for yeah. sure. Because when I left, I thought I left for love. Again, you're young, what do you know? Gave up my career. And then... I think people in Great Britain, because they felt like we were king and queen, you know, we were at the top of the tree mm. and people just felt she's left, she's left our country. She's done this. One professional says you're going to be nothing but a wallflower. Uh, somebody else says, go off, have a family. It'll never, ever happen again. Because I realized I wanted to come back to dance, but I had a beginner. What was I going to do? I needed help. And, uh, and nobody gave it me. Mm. And, and that drove me. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I wasn't trying to win Blackpool again. I was just going to see if I could get in the final of the United States Championships because they had a good top six. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, let me see if I can do it there first. That took a minute. And then when I got there, just as our career was on the go, then I got pregnant. That wasn't planned. Beautiful, yeah. a beautiful boy. But, and then now you've got this little boy you're dragging everywhere. So it was like, 
double nail in the coffin, she'll never make it, and then decided to move back to Great Britain in 1990 and represent this country. Mm. And then things gradually started to change. But I had to learn about the industry, I had to learn about human ego. It was like going back to school and learning now which is the best avenue for me to take. But I was driven, self-driven, not to win Blackpool, to come back in some shape or form to prove that it was possible to do the impossible. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you certainly did that. You certainly pulled that off. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but there's another bit where you also talk, that there's a couple of chapters where you sort of talk about anxiety and, uh, and even mentioned that you'd struggled with things like codependency. And, and I really related to that as I, as I was reading it because I wonder if there's something in, one, we sort of go through from the beginning, we, we go through life with sort of someone by our side all the time, um, it, as in a, a dance partner. And often it just sort of happens that you, you end up in a, in a relationship with your dance partner. Um, and also, but also there's someone sort of dictating your life in terms of a, a coach. I mean, you talk about um, someone like Nina Hunt saying, right, now you're going to do this. Now you're going to do that. Oh, no, it's Wednesday. You should get married now. It's like, you know, it's like you should, you know, sort of dictating everything that you're doing in your life. So you're relying on that. You said that, um, well, also you're being judged all the time. You're going out and your sort of self-esteem depends on someone else's of you all the time, you know, every week, week after week, you know, how, how you feel all through that week depends on how someone on the judging panel has, has scored you. Um, but then there's also a, a, there was a sentence that you put in, say, when you're dancing with Sammy and you said he was very much in charge. He was sort of figuring everything out. He was like the manager of the partnership, which was on one hand weird, but on the other side, you said it, it felt good that at least someone was holding the map. Yeah. And so I wonder if that's what, I don't know, lead to like codependency later on where it sort of feels difficult to sort of stand on your own. I know I've struggled with that um, to go, I don't know what it is, that thing of being able to go, uh, you know, that I'm enough. You know. I, think, I think codependency for me started from a very small age when my mother had to work all the time, was codependent on my brother. Mm-hmm. And then, as we know, I moved in with Nigel's family. So mm-hmm. they became the caregiver. Then yeah. I moved at 16 to London with Nigel. I was never on my own. Mm-hmm. So I lived with him. I moved straight from him into Bob Dale's house with all those, that testosterone household mm-hmm. with Sammy. From Sammy to Corky. From Corky to Ricardo. From Ricardo to Yegor. From Yegor to being single for a little while. And now, of course, I'm with Danny. Mm. And codependency was something I had to have somebody always around. And then there was the children and I clung to them and their careers, you know, moved to America when they moved to America to do Dancing with the Stars. And mm-hmm. and, and even at my age now, Kevin, and in counseling, I'm still trying to learn to love to be on my own. Yeah learn to love my own company and not be so afraid of the walls that are around me and the silence. Mm. Because my life has always been buzz, 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 somebody else's career, or Kevin Clifton needs this, or Joanne needs this, or Marky Ballas, or this one, or that one, or Ricardo. Mm. So you're so buzzed with people all around you and you feel the warmth of it that when you take it all away, can you stand in the silence, which is the end of my book, which is what I say. I'm trying to master the art of stillness. Mm. So yes, I do feel I've been codependent on other people's careers, not on their results, but on them being around and that 
that feeling that you're a big part of something when I'm realizing it's okay to stand still. I'm 60. You're still a young man. How old are you now? 38. Not oh my that gosh, possible. But 38 <laughs> year old man, you're still a baby and you will learn to, you know, when Stacy's gone to have that quiet moment or we've had a moment today when it's just your walls, my walls and there's just mm. two of us or to just be in silence on your own. It's okay. Mm. It's scary. If you're codependent on people and situations, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I'm definitely having to learn that. I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm <laughs> Sam was such a larger than life character. Yeah. That, you know, I clung to him and that is every move because he knew so much more than I did. Mm. And then in turn, when I moved with Corky, had this high-powered multimillionaire family. And then, you know... He was a massive personality as well, Corky. Massive personality. So I kind of clung to that, but realized then I didn't want that. I wanted to dance. Yeah. And then he became more codependent on me for the dancing. It's just really weird, really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's learning. It's a journey. It's all a journey. It's all a journey. There, we've used the J word. There it is. (laughs) Um, and, and changing tack then on, on different partners, um, you said that when you had the tryout with Sammy when, when you were young, it was like you did two steps or something and it was like, yeah, that's it. That's, that's the partnership. That's what he said to me. I'll take her. Let's go. Yeah. What do you think makes a great dance partnership? Like what, how, do you, how would you know when like that's, that's the partnership? That's just clicked. Well, I think it's a little bit like, well, if we're perfectly honest, when we got Strictly and I had to do that dance, do you remember the samba? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I requested that I dance with you. <laughs> I already knew that the sensitivity of lead and the guiding and the caring of the partnership, you would take care of this 57-year-old who dad had stiletto shoes on since she was about 36, that you would, you know, take care of me. And um, the I'll learn how to do that from you. <laughs> the sensitivity about partnering, and then there's a, like a chemistry, like an awareness, and I, and I think that Sammy had that. So he knew that he took one look at me, thought, "Yeah, right height, right weight, yeah, good, good, good." Oh, she's got that sensitivity of movement, even though she's a semi what beginner, and uh, and she can shift. I had an, 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 a, this a, ability to shift body weight naturally without lessons. Hmm. Mm. Do you know? And he, yeah, yeah. he being Sammy, who trained all the best dancers in the world at the time, he just summed it up. Bum, 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 bum. Yep, yeah, t- yeah, change your shoes, you're coming with me. <laughs> it was really that quick. Yeah, amazing. And with teaching, you said, um, you know, you, you taught in a certain way that you probably learned from Sammy um, in the UK. And then in, in, the, in the US, there was a whole different style of teaching and you had to take a different approach with the couples like being being strict wasn't wasn't going down well Well, in england you didn't get much praise you know that if i was probably a little bit more praiseworthy than most of the teachers i had Mm. very matter of fact not much praise and that's the way you taught when i Mm. my early days before i took you i was very strict in this i moved to the united states it was very much have a nice day (laughs) but i that was just didn't seem right to me but it was cultural and i didn't respect that at the time and i was going in like this and i was losing couples left right and center till my father-in-law said you need to soften when in rome do as the romans do you need to soften a little bit and you need to have these fluffy edges we were talking about fluff fluffy edges a little bit in order to keep your work so i had to learn in a different country what Mm. was their culture and how to come across as a dance teacher which Mm. i mastered the art i have to say yeah i mean you're a great teacher um and therefore on strictly then do you think say the pros that are teaching their celebs 
do you think it differs from person to person how they should teach or do you think there's a a way that they you know how how would you advise a pro to go about their business teaching one of these celebs as you sort of was was working with Corky for years well, what what the, what was interesting about this launch show in the in terrible times now with the covid but the launch show you know i thought the bbc did a magnificent job of partnering and pairing yeah i do i think they've I got it right it, really what you thought this one was going to go with this one is suddenly so it'll be interesting yeah. to see the journey i think it's going to be an absolutely magnificent journey you cannot at the level that we've got got the strictly professionals as with yourself you have to find your way to teach them you've all had tools in the past you've all had different experiences and you all bring those experiences professionals to your then celebrity and that's what makes the show so if i suddenly came in and gave a class to 10 professionals on Strictly. I don't want you all to be the same. Mm. I love that you're all different. Mm. And I love that you all come from different backgrounds. And if you take Johannes, for example, he is just a beaming, just, um, he's so in tune with himself that he brings in excitement before he's even touched his partner. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So each person, you've got one who brings the technical aspects and you bring another one with the energies. And I just think they're all so unique. I think we have the best professionals in the world on Stringly. That's yeah. my opinion. And you know, I've done a lot of work on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. And I thought my boys were great on that. But as a whole, as a bunch of professionals that work hard with kind and respectful manners, I think that they've got, they've got struck gold with our professionals here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt. They're... they're they're an excellent group of dancers and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the launch show like the um but you were missed oh cheers <laughs> maybe you'll come back oh who knows never always, say never always leave the doors open that's what happened with Mark you know he did it and then he took a break and then of course yeah. he, was, he went on the, the Broadway and then he came you know so there's, op there's opportunities there but we'd love to see you back for sure oh, I think if we've learned anything it's never like you say never never close the door on anything or <laughs> like you just don't know you know how things are going to go I thought I was going to be on stage all year this year and all of a sudden <laughs> COVID's a thing and that doesn't happen anymore so yeah but each day you take as the eyes of a newborn baby wake up in the morning there the eyes go. of a newborn baby there just you go. Like every day as it comes you know um there was a real funny, funny bit because um, you talked a lot about when you were auditioning to be a judge on Strictly um, and yeah. you were like a bag of nerves and you were, you know, you, you even said you felt like the first audition sort of didn't go well. So you wanted to come back and just have another stab at it, be, being a bit more comfortable. Um, and was it, was it Mark that said you just, just got to be yourself? Someone said to you, you've Mark, Mark. go and be yourself. Stop trying to put on this front he said you're the girl from the housing estate mother it's yeah. okay to be who you are yeah. you have a knowledge of experience just been through so many different generations with dance just be who you are so i did get an opportunity to go back a second time in casual jeans this time not in an evening dress with me okay. hair or bouffanted with no knickers on because i've hurt my back and that's taken drawers off because they put that um, wet backpack thing on my back with ice and it all dribbled into me knickers and that to take off. So it was in a cold studio. I had no panties on, black dress by the way, viewers. Yeah. I sat next to Craig Revel Hallwood who seemed 10 times bigger than he is. Lights, camera, action going on everywhere and I didn't have a clue. Mm. Look in that camera, look at, oh, oh, that one, that one. Oh, now critique the dancing. Uh, uh, and then you think to yourself, what do they want me to say rather yeah. than rather than just be yourself. Yes, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? That was the mistake I made on the first audition. I was trying to think, you know, my 
you know how my mind runs. It goes, it's, it's running constantly. And um, I just thought to myself, yeah, I think they want to hear this and I think they want to hear that. So I was tripping over stuff that just normally reels out. And then I got an opportunity the next day, went back in jeans and nailed it. Mm. But it's difficult, isn't it, for, for any performers in anything when you're just told, just go and be yourself. Because it was that's bang on what you just said. It's like you're, you're going and you're constantly thinking, what do they want from me? What, what have I got to give them that's going to like get but Really, me? I should have walked in and said, now, this is what you're going to get from me because this is who I am. And I'm going to critique that dancing I've done all my life. <laughs> and I was stumbling over my own words. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the key. That, that's the key in everything, like for performers, but also just in, in life as well. It's, Motsi said exactly the same thing. We talked about like when she was in, in a competitive career, she, um, she said, if there's one thing I look back on and think, I wish I would have just been myself a lot more on the dance floor rather than trying to deliver what I thought everyone wanted. Because we were critiqued so much by so many teachers. Your yeah. leg action sucks. Your arm, you suck, you're this. You've got hands like baseball bats. You know, da, 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 da. everything was negative. Yeah. People don't envelope the joy of dance. Yeah. But sometimes, you know what, Kev? Don't worry about that technique today. Listen to the music. Let it take over your body and show me what you truly feel. Yeah. Now do that. Straighten your leg. Turn yeah. your foot out. Do this, do that. I mean, is it important? Absolutely. But then there must be a let up time where you can let it go. And find yourself. We're over critiqued. I feel. Yeah. From everything from our figures to our face to our footwork, to every single thing we're, we're critiqued. We're dissected like a rat in a lab. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yes. To the point where you come back and you, as a positive person, you almost feel like, oh, th there's that teacher. They want my arm here. Oh, I'm going past this teacher now. Oh, let me got me bum underneath. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Going around the dance floor and you might see three or four teachers you go to and you're trying to change as you go past, rather than not even knowing they're there. They're <laughs> dancing so, differently all the way around the floor. Trying to floor. please people. It's a pleasing yeah. industry, this. It has its wonderful sides. I want to say, make that Oh, clear. yeah. It has its marvelous sides, but it does have its little sides as well. So. Mm. You oh, just have oh. to watch mental health and people I guide now from the young age, from sometimes six years old. I'm guiding that part as well. It's really important. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Like, um, I, I also look back on my like competition world days like very fondly. And, and, you know, I wouldn't have ended up doing Burn the Floor and doing Strictly Come Dancing and all that without it, like without all the training and the experience I had in, in competition world. And, and I'll still like, you know, go on YouTube every once in a while and have a look at the top couples. Or and have you've a had a marvellous journey. Yeah. I, know it's been, I know you've had some ups and downs, like we all have, and like yeah, you've exactly. read in my book, but you are absolutely one of the most unique dancers I ever came across in the fact that you could couple everything together and your personality and the way you delivered it from the soul is something I'll remember till the day I die. You're no. absolutely fantastic. <laughs> well, you will well, definitely be sadly missed on Strictly for sure. Oh, well, I learned a lot from you, Shelley. Um, no, but at the end of the day, I learned a lot from a lot of other people, but you have to execute it. Mm, so, mm. you know, people always think like, for example, I know Sammy, you know, well, I started you, I gave, no, well, you gave me the break, but I did the work. Yeah, yeah. So I gave you the lessons, Kevin, but at the end of the day, you listened and you moved forward. So congratulate only yourself oh. <laughs> because you paid for that information. You took that information, you learned from that information and you became your own star. You're not reliant. You don't owe anything to anybody.
that's how I feel. Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'm still not good at just doing that and going, yeah, yay me. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm practicing on you. So I'm, pra- <laughs> but I'm learning, you know, that you take it when somebody gives you that grace, you know, as how I would never say it if I didn't feel it. <laughs> I'm so proud of the journey that you both, you and your sister have taken. Really proud. Um, <laughs> I've got, I'm all, I'm all blushy now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is blushing, he is blushing. <laughs> um, but one of the things um, you sort of quickly touched on there was like, you know, how you're being judged all the time, straight in your leg, do this, da 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 da. But also the appearance, and that's something that you talk about in the book, how, you know, I feel, again, it's, it's got to be harder for women because it's like that's judged even more. And a lot of the time I feel like you would, um, from, from what I read in the book, judged on just like, oh, you know what? Um, if you well, get pregnant, you're going to get fat. You... I, I struggled with my weight. There's, right. there's, no, there's no word about that at all. Even now, going on Strictly, you know, I look on the TV screen, the dress was beautiful, made by Sassy Holford. I mean, it was absolutely stunning. And then I see every bump. So I, I look at myself and in red, instead of embracing, I say, oh, well, you're still about six pounds overweight, Shirley. You need cut one sugar out your coffee this morning right. and make sure you're doing this right. But when you get to 60, somehow the body's, it's difficult. But those issues come from years and years and years and years ago. My dad's half-sisters all weighed 300 pounds. And it was said to me at one point, you know, if you keep eating that, you're going to look exactly like them. It, it came from a very small child, these issues. Mm-hmm. And, and, but it carried on with me all through my life, all through my life. And the fact that it was much better if you were stick thin as yeah. a dancer than yeah. if you were curvy. Mm-hmm. And I think naturally my body is curvy and I've always tried to make it emaciated. Right. You know, and I feel good when it feels emaciated, but that's not psychologically a good thing. No. You know, we are all different shapes and sizes and we have to accept each other and embrace each other. And and it's what's inside that should flourish and come out. But I've definitely struggled with those issues. Mm. And then, of course, you know, with different husbands who didn't like different things about me, but that's for you to read when you read yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> There's that thing of trying to please again, isn't it? Um. Do you, on, back to Strictly, do you still get nervous about it or are you just totally comfortable and in the zone now when you go on Strictly? Oh, nervous. I get all excited and butterflies, but you know yourself. Yeah. You need those nerves. Yeah. You need those. Oh, it's coming up to my turn. Either Motsy's talking or, you know, Craig's talking and it's coming to my turn. I'm thinking, please don't trip over your own words. Make sure you know what you're going. And I've given myself all these rules instead of, I need to take a deep breath. That's what I'm going to do this evening. Take a deep breath. Uh-huh. and just enjoy. So I think I'm getting to the point now where I can enjoy it. We can have a little fun mm. and at the same time give some good guidance so we can make some really, really good decisions so that the people at home can really enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tell me about the, these, uh, these hats of yours. You, you, you worked with like a coach just for, you know, presenting on TV and stuff like that. And there's a bit about it. I've got the this hat and the this hat and the this hat for, for when you're making your comments. Well, I think I'm generally like a really lovable person, but because of my upbringing in dancing, I'm quite strict when it comes to dancing. But then you've got to, the viewers listening, you have a mummy hat, then you have the husband hat or the wife hat. And then now we have the hat where you and I are chatting about our past history. And then I'll have the Strictly hat on. But sometimes the contestant doesn't need my Strictly hat. It needs my huggable hat because they've struggled that week. 
and they, and they and they feel like nothing's working and then you need to embrace and you need to love so these little hats were designed for me and it's up to me to spot what hat you need that week do you need a little bit more technique hat do you need a cuddle hat do you need me to be you know broader spectrum hat about all that what you're doing so i try to bring all these little different hats lovable <laughs> kind caring well, strict um I know that um, there, there was one week when I, when I was dancing with Stace. I, I can't remember if it was like the week after that we did the cha-cha. I know the cha-cha just wasn't great and we got like fours and fives or, or something like that. But it was either the week after or maybe a, a couple of weeks after and like she did a lot better. And, and, and I, I remember specifically remember you saying to Stace, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud that of, of, of where you've gone from there to there. Like I'm so proud of you. And it definitely gave... Stace like a little spike, like like she felt like she'd sort of done something good and, and, and worked but for that's it. human nature now when we go back to the children. If you're negative constantly with your children, negative, negative, they will grow up with that. You have to balance between strict parenting mm -hmm. and also the lovable side. And that was also a journey because I had a little boy in the midst of trying to hit this high career. I have this tiny little child and I'm trying to be a mother. And who knows about being a mother at 25? Do you know what I'm saying? So it's life. Okay. It's, it's, it's a journey yeah, and I yeah. try on Strictly to be as positive as I can, but also I want people to improve and you can give people a few tidbits that can help throughout mm. the week to help them improve. Mm. You seem very, you seem very happy now. You seem very like, I don't know, sort of content. Um, <laughs> like I'm in a better place with myself at the moment, even though, you know, there's still all sorts of stuff going on around me. I do have a lovely boyfriend, so I'm really pleased to have to have met him so late in my life, you know. So I have that. I do miss my son who lives in California, but we talk daily, like I'm sure you do with your mum. You know, you're very close yeah. with your mum. Yeah. How's Mark doing? He's doing very, very well. You know, he's got his new album coming out. And of course, he's, he was on Broadway, starred, you know, played Frankie Valley and Jersey Boys and... Um, Charlie Price and Kinky Boots and he's got some other things going but his life was never really about dance even though I had him in it he always said it was your dream mummy it wasn't mine right, right. He, you know musician you know is an avid guitar player and beautiful wife then they make beautiful music together wish they'd make beautiful babies together but never mind <laughs> Mark you listen yeah he's doing very well and he's a very 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 much you know a flies my flag if I put it like that. Never changed. Never changed with all the success and everything he's done. He's like yourself. Remain rooted, grounded at your North of England upbringing, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I, I, lo I love Mark. He's, he's, a, he's a good lad. And Derek and Julianne. Like, yeah, great. I, I haven't, haven't seen Derek and Julianne in, in a few years, but um, yeah, I saw Mark. He, he came over, didn't he? He came so no, strictly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's a good lad. Well, I mean, this is bit, we we could talk for like nine hours, but you like have, you have to dinner <laughs> with Stacey. I'm getting that. And I'm going yeah. to put that in the diary. Yeah, because you know, where I live, we're going to meet up and we're going to yeah. sit for hours and talk about old times and things. Yeah. And each other a cuddle when we can, when COVID's done. Done. Yeah, <laughs> um, and because I, I feel like I've sort of briefly met your boyfriend Dan, but I I, I don't know that I've had, had like a proper conversation with him. I haven't properly met him yet, um, but he seems really nice. Um, and the way He's lovely. You've been a Liverpool lad, yeah. You know, on the stage, so you will truly enjoy meeting him. And I really appreciate you know you having me on your show today. And I hope for all the listeners 
that um, the book they will find behind the sequence is inspirational and you're in it and it's part of the journey of what it was. So. I can't stress enough to everyone who's listening. You, you have to read this book. You have to read it. Like if, if, if you're a Strictly fan or if you're just into dance or, you know, performing in any way, it is a really inspiring story. And um, Shirley's been very, um, put herself in quite a vulnerable place to be writing about some of the things. There's, there's a lot of wicked stuff that happens, but there's also a lot of problematic things. And, and you know, and, and you've suffered some real tragedy as well. Um, it's yeah there's, there's a lot in this book and, and a lot that we can take away from it and I really enjoyed reading it um, before I let you go um, I know this is a very generic question but <laughs> it's it's Strictly time everyone's looking forward to Strictly um, ev everyone's really excited um, like you say we're all very excited about the way the partnerships are all um, paired up now um, and everyone's going to have their own opinions but what What's your advice for them going into this series? What do you want to see from, from the couples? I want them to be, bring grace, beauty, charm, excitement, because we're in difficult times. I want them to embrace the journey. Of course, you've got to have your little fundamentals and things, but that's not the big deal. There's a lot of people that we've been stuck at home since March. You know, we're isolated. I want them to bring the joy into everybody's living room. And I know that they will do that. So it's a little bit of a different kind of show this time. And we really, really want to really reach those people that have been stuck and solo isolating and families that have been, you know, locked up together. So, and we're interested in your opinions and direct message me with your thoughts and say how you feel and, you know, just enjoy yourself. That's what I hope that this is going to bring. Amen. I can't wait. I'm really excited to watch the whole thing. Um, and uh, my mum and dad said to say hello. <laughs> oh, I love you, mum and dad. I follow them and their studio. They've got a mag magnificent teachers with a magnificent studio. So I love it when I see them dancing around in the kitchen. And it <laughs> just brightens my day. It just brightens my day. That's all I can say. Uh, they're a couple of idiots, but you know, they're <laughs> <laughs> dancing around in the kitchen. But yeah, they, they, and I'm sure my mum probably messages you on Facebook. She's never off Facebook. Um, yeah, they said, they said to, to send their love. Um, Shirley, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And everyone, go and get this book, Behind the Sequence. Thank you.